Oop, a little bit of startup issues. Good morning, fish keepers. Cam here from the fishroom.co.nz. Done it again. We have made it to Friday. Let's be excited. Let's celebrate with coffee. This coffee is good times. Mm, and that is good coffee. All right, got no admin today. Uh, we do have a special guest waiting in the wings. So we'll bring everybody up and we'll get on with our coffee date. So good morning, John. Hi, Cam. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Good morning, y'all. And <laughs> I guess it's evening for me. Yeah, it's evening for me as well. <laughs> Lovely, sprightly uh, 9 a.m. Friday morning for me, so that's okay. Thank you very much for joining us. It's it's much appreciated. Um, it's fantastic when, when people say they're willing to come on and, and have a chat to us about their passion and and your interest in the aquarium hobby. So thank you very much for your time. Very welcome. I'm glad to be here. Let's let's do this thing. Cool. So what what got you involved and interested in, in keeping aquariums? Uh, I guess it was just innately in me. I grew up on a lake, and uh, ever since then, uh, I've been into aquariums. Yeah, so I've been doing aquariums since I was seven. Wow. So... Dang near 50 years now. A, a proper lifetime of keeping aquariums. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know any other way. Yeah. Yeah. What was the first aquarium that you you kept? What was your, your first origin story? Uh, one of my parents' friends gave me a 20-gallon tank. He was a fish breeder. So um, I had early introduction to aquariums, and he set me up with 20 gallon and incandescent light and yeah. under gravel filter and all that. And I lived on the lake. So my first tank was a biotope. So I went mm -hmm. out to the lake and I collected the sand, stones, plants, fish, all the stuff in the lake. Yeah. It was, cool. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it sounds that way. Um, at least in New Zealand, I don't think a lot of people have the ability to start, start like that. Keeping New Zealand natives and stuff. Isn't that, overly common so to have the ability to you know go into your backyard essentially and 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 mm -hmm. pull the things from the water and everything around there that that sounds pretty fantastic way to get into keeping aquariums we've got sticklebacks over here and a lot of we, we start off quite similar um although when you're young you don't know it as a biotope it's just mm. fish in a tank isn't it at that point but um <laughs> what kind of fish were you pulling out your pond then the lake anything i could catch i mean i had I had some crazy fish in there. I had I had largemouth bass, bluegills, sunfish, minnows. Yeah. And when they got too big, they just went back in the lake. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So what was your your change in your mindset or your interest to go from just sort of keeping aquariums into into aquascaping? Sorry, for those that don't know, um Jeff is an aquascaper. Uh, he's a competitive aquascaper, um, set a lot of pretty successful rankings and that sort of stuff. So we, how was that transition from just a general aquarium keeper to an aquascaper? How did that sort of happen? Yeah. You know, it was one of these aha moments when I've got the Takashi Amano book, Nature Aquarium mm -hmm. World. Mm -hmm. It seems a lot of people uh, have that when they get that book. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful book. We back? 
Yep. Yeah. We are. We're good. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So yes, the book, the book, it's right, it's right uh, there, still. So I got that book yep. maybe 13, 14 years ago. I looked at the book. I looked at my tank and I said, well, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> mm. So I dove in head first. Yeah. Love it. And um, it, it turned into my real passion in the, in the aquarium uh, hobby. So I went from being an enthusiast to totally eat, breathe, live aquascaping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So quick. That's the quick version. I'm sure everyone yeah. appreciates the quick version. When you were yeah. talking about the, the transitional from, you know, a, a normal hobbyist into the competitive part, what was it you found most challenging um, going from just having an aquarium in the room and enjoying it for what it is to the hours of intensive maintenance that has to go into a higher, you know, a high powered yeah, you know, back, yeah, that's a great question. You know, when I started, there wasn't anybody in the U.S. hardly. There was maybe a couple people mm -hmm. that were doing the competitions, and I didn't know them. I was kind of like the one and lonely guy who really got hooked on this, and I was doing the competitions more just for fun. It never was competition. It still is not competition for me. I do mm -hmm. it for me first and foremost, rankings be damned. Right. So I, I make what I want. And, um, it was just always trying to elevate my skill levels, growing better plants, laying out driftwood and stone in a more pleasing manner, something just cool that I liked. Mm -hmm. I never worried about the competitions. I still don't. Yeah. That's a really good way of looking at it. Mm. Definitely. Mm. So, from when you first started aquascaping to, to where you are now, how's your approach to everything changed? Has it been, I can do this, I want to push myself, or I need to try this? Like, I, I phys physically, you just have this thing. If you don't try it, you don't, you've got the scratch. If you don't do it, you just, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, when I first started, I was setting up the tank, growing it in, take a photo, knock it down, do the next one, and just like a machine just cranking through these. I've entered so many competitions that way with just one aquarium. So mm -hmm. I have a 120 centimeter aquarium, 68 gallons. So what is that? 240 liters. About that, yes. Yep. So, so I was cranking through aquascapes like crazy. And I would get asked all the time, you know, this is beautiful. You made a, a piece of art. This is masterful. How can you destroy it as soon as it gets good I'm like because the next one's going to be better <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i did that a lot uh for a number of years and i think that really honed my skills and mm -hmm. now um now i have enough techniques skills the eye for it where i can put a layout together very rapidly and i do this for demonstrations and conventions all the time now so i can put something that's just stunning you know a showstopper together in you know an eight hour day mm. so yeah it, it but it took it took hundreds of aquascapes to get to this point where i can now bring my vision to reality you know i have that skill set is it a formula that you have um mm -hmm. on a, a quick thought process for you 
you look at the materials and then it just comes in or is it something that you walk into the room knowing you're going to create and you use whatever materials there to create that shape? Yeah, both, both. It depends, yeah. right? So if I'm going to do something where I have the vision, then I hunt the materials. If I'm mm -hmm. given the materials, then I use them for the inspiration for the vision. Okay, so it yeah. just depends on the situation. Yeah. yeah. So and, and there's no right or wrong way to do it for sure. Um, just do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I always say yeah. less talking, more escaping. Yeah. You've you've mentioned skill a couple of times, and I, I guess nobody is born with skill per se. Like it it, it is a, a trained thing of training your eyes, training your brain, training your hands to what exactly it is that you're trying to get from here into whatever canvas that you're using. Um, yeah, I think. Well, yeah, still they're so slightly under, underestimated a little bit. That's the beauty of aquascaping is it's really easy to get into aquascaping, but it's very difficult to master. Mm. So, uh, you know, it, even to this day, I'm still challenged. Yeah. You know, I, I think my best aquascapes are to come. Mm -hmm. nice. So, uh, yeah, it's all fun. Think, it's well, all fun and games. As new materials come out, it gives, you know, new textures and that, that itself brings new challenges, new ideas, and it keeps the creativity coming. Yeah, um, not so much the materials. I think these days uh, a rock is pretty much a rock. Uh, wood is pretty much wood. How you combine them, that composition, that story, the ambiance you're trying to convey, uh, those, those, um, uh, I, th I think if you're worried about the type of stone you have, type of wood, you're still in the beginner phase. If you start talking about, this is what I want my viewers to feel when they look at the tank, you're starting to enter the master stage. Yeah. Mm. Like if you look at this here behind me, this is, uh, my Awaza 90, uh, scaper line tank, and this is set up, um, as a joint project with them, they provided the tank and I want to do something really special and being an Awasa ambassador. And uh, so the ambiance of this is very clear of what this is, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't know how well my camera's picking it up or if there's glare. No, no, it says clear. Yeah. Really clear. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. So, um, you know, it's very, it's very clear what the story is. You know, it's a coastal village mm -hmm. and this, and, is a lot more literal than what I normally do, right? Normally I do nature aquascaping, which is stone, wood, substrates, you know, aqua soil, sand, stones, uh, and plants, and along with the uh, superstars, which are the fish. So that's normally what I do, and that's what I've been doing uh, competitively. Fun, uh, fun moment, I actually entered this in the AGA, the Aquatic Gardeners Association contest for the paludarium. So we'll see what the judges have to think about this. Yeah. Cause obviously this is something very um, unique. You know, you mm. don't, you don't no, see anything. You don't see a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in, in the process of doing some research prior to this, obviously I stumbled across it on your YouTube channel. It absolutely blew my mind. Um, A to see someone using that sort of ornament ornaments at all in a, in an aquascape was pretty pretty cool but the end result was fantastic but the way that you you know problem solved how can i get the housing flat to make it work properly all that kind of it was just for not it led me down a bit of a 
a rabbit hole through some of your videos, which we'll, we'll get to a little bit later on. Um, awesome. Do you, do you think there might be a wee push or a change in the way people do escapes and add some sort of ornaments and stuff like that to it? Or you, do you think you know that? Yeah, you know what? That was never the goal or the purpose. Yeah. The, the the mission for me when I set out on this uh, journey as an Awasa ambassador was to inspire and educate while having fun. Cool. So, uh, you know, uh, I think everyone's definition of fun and inspiration are going to be different, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's up to those folks. Maybe there'll be some people who are inspired to do something like this, but the real goal is just to inspire them to do something, you know, even, even maybe it's a paludarium. Every, like all the materials in here, other than the buildings and the little characters, are natural materials. Even the docks, the docks are built out of wood. Mm. So uh, I actually collected that wood from California recently. I got a YouTube video coming out. Uh, I went uh, up into the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains and collected wood and stone with Tom Barr, which was an exceptional cool. trip. That was a lot of fun. So cool. more videos coming. Yeah. yeah. We, um, we, we're speaking to Tom uh, on this Monday in a few days' time. So uh, very much oh. looking forward to that as well. So that'll be that'll be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You mentioned uh, early doors. You were uh, you did a lot of work with your one twenty centimeter aquarium. Yep. Is that is that the size that you still really prefer to look at, or or do you have um, no kind of boundaries when it comes to big, small? Is there a preference on on a size that you like to work with the most? Yeah, I, I if as long as it's a landscape tank where it's a rectangle, uh, I'm mm -hmm. okay with it. The more depth from front to back, the better. So my 120 yeah. is 45 centimeters from front to back, 45 mm -hmm. centimeters tall. So it's good. But um, for instance, when I put these aquascapes together, I'm looking at doing layers. Yes. So a layer is something else going on. So you may have the first, the front sand layers, pretty standard. So you got the sand beachy river type bottom, and then you may have stones or wood, and then you might have some tree elements and then some stones behind that. So you're four layers and you're trying to get as many layers as you can in a 45 centimeter tank. If you're getting four layers, you're doing really well. Mm -hmm. Five layers, it's masterful, uh, you know, above that you're epic, right? So mm -hmm. if you increase that dimension, then you can get more layers because mm -hmm. you just have that much more space. For instance, um, I have, I'm gonna move this, hopefully it won't. So this is, um, let me get out of the way. So this tank right here is 60 centimeters from front to back, 40 wow. centimeters tall and 90 centimeters long. That is um, an ideal tank, I think, for most uh, hobbyists in the United States. And the reason being is hardscape materials are difficult to come by, in, in particular stone. Mm -hmm. To get big stones here in the U.S. is a real challenge. You know, most of the stones you'll see in the store are like this. And so if you need, you need something really big, good luck getting that. Not to mention it's going to cost you an arm and a leg when you do find it. So something like this where it's 40 centimeters from top to bottom you can use smaller scaled stones and they'll look bigger yeah and then you have the front to back depth so you can get lots of layers and then the 90 centimeters 
you can easily adequately find a good filter. Like I'm using the Waza Biomaster 600 on there and it's a perfect size for this tank. And then just the single RGB light. So mm -hmm. that's the uh, Chihiros, the RGB Vivid 2, I think. Oh yeah. And it I lights up the whole tank. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so because it's wider from front to back uh, and then 90 centimeters long here, I have 11 inches above waterline, so that you know the waterline is usually about here, uh, and it illuminates the entire tank perfectly. So I've had the the meter out and I've measured the power levels to make sure that the substrate plants are getting adequate um, light for photosynthesis, photosynthesis, and it works out great. So not only did I look at um, what I wanted for scaping also looked at the equipment the other mm. reason i picked 90 centimeters because you're like why didn't you go 120 or more every single aquascape i made i analyzed and every single one of them i could crop and it would be a stronger aquascape hmm. and almost always the crop took off about a foot yeah so, so taking away that block. yeah so um I think for most aquascapers, this makes a lot of sense. And then mm -hmm. I didn't know they were gonna, I didn't know this tank was going to be made. <laughs> and it's actually named after me. It's uh, it's sold by Aqualife, and mm -hmm. it's called the Miyaki tank. Oh. So, yeah. So you've <laughs> arrived, I guess, when, when you have a tank named after you. And then yes, they gifted yes. it. They gifted this one to me. Right now, it's actually set up for convention. So it will be at Aquashella in Daytona. And this is a little sneak preview for your viewers. You can see I've, I've gone crazy. This is not even close to done, by the way. This is just soaking and getting the fungus growing out and the, the yeah. um, tannins out of the wood. I, 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 I collect all this wood, by the way, also from California with Tom Barr. Mm -hmm. oh, uh, and this, this is going to stand 6'5". When it's done so there's branches that go on top of the, wow. the tree coming up oh yeah, yeah it's gonna stand it. it's gonna stand six five on the convention floor you <laughs> wow. know so stand tank and then so yeah it'll be taller taller than most people walking by wow yeah yeah so, you mentioned that that your light beam was 11 inches above the waterline is there a sort of a magic number for lighting heights to stuff or is that just what water volume you've got to that light is the right distance. Yeah, exactly. So I use the meter to set the light. Yeah. And then also I looked at the spread. Mm -hmm. So to make sure I got the corners in sufficient light. So I kept raising the light, increasing the intensity of the light because it's controllable until mm -hmm. I got it dialed in. Because I don't run that at 100%. So I could raise it even higher up, but then I would have light spill into the room. Mm -hmm. So I... I've raised it up to the point where it has no light spill into the room, but eliminates the bottom of the tank perfectly. Cool. Yep. Sounds like an absolute science to get exactly where you want it to be to, to <laughs> oh, get what you want from it. Yeah. I, I do have an unfair advantage because I was an environmental engineer at one point in my life. <laughs> oh, that's so, going to help. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, can you share some of your favorite projects that you've worked on over the years? Yeah, sure. Um, I uh, I got to tell you, so this this uh, this paludarium tank is my absolute favorite tank, and I know it's most people, you know, it's not going to be their cup of tea. 
and I don't care. I, I just love it. It's just fun. <laughs> so mm. I'm really enjoying this one. This has been set up now in two more weeks. This will be one year old. Wow. Yeah. So anyone who has longevity questions for something like this, this has been my lowest maintenance tank and my most fun. So I might convert everything to Paladarium. We'll see. <laughs> um, but for those of you that follow the, the fish room on, on Facebook yesterday, prior to this um, coffee date, I, I shared the video that you did with your build of that um, because oh, I, cool. was, I found it very jaw dropping. So uh, if you want to find that, it's, it's a pretty much a quick click on the Facebook, the fish room Facebook page. Um, it's well and truly worth watching. It is it is a phenomenal video. It's um, thank you. Yeah, it's brilliant. I yeah, again jaw dropping. It's great. Thanks. It, that was eight months of effort to to put that video together for, for a fifteen minute video or something similar. <laughs> yeah, Twenty two <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and 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 everyone who reviewed it for me, you know, um, they were saying it's too long. <laughs> it's like I've got so much. I've, it took eight months. I have like hundreds of hours of footage down and slammed down to twenty-two minutes, and then uh, and then I tell you know spin quite the tail around it as well. Yeah, yeah. My um, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Oh, very awesome. much just <laughs> sipping on my coffee, going, "Wow, this is phenomenal. This is amazing." <laughs> so yeah, I didn't think it was too long whatsoever. And that was version two. I wrapped that up in June, I think. I think I released mm -hmm. that in June. Uh, that was version two. And what you're seeing behind me has not been revealed yet. That's version three. Um, so I've got another video coming out going from version two to version three. Uh, the difference is pretty, pretty dramatic. All these docks with the wood and stuff weren't in the version two. So um, uh, right now you can see I've, I've actually got it decked out for Halloween. I don't know if you can make out the little no, stuff. Not quite. Yeah. I've got uh, all sorts of little crazy things here. So I'll grab a couple things. So for instance, let's see if the camera can pick this up. Oh, pumpkin. Yeah, cool. These are these are puka seeds. These are real. Wow, cool. Oh wow. This is a natural product. This is dried. You'll often see it like in potpourri. Mm-hmm. So those are my pumpkins in there. You can see they're in there all over the place, all that orange. Uh, I absolutely yeah. love them. That's pretty cool. My wife, yeah, my wife found those, so she gets all the credit. And then I've, <laughs> I've painted up a bunch more of this, this stuff for Halloween. Nice. So, you know, it just, again, it's fun. And I, I figure I can change up the decor based on the season. Mm -hmm. So sure. I'm going to have... The autumn, you know, the autumn leaves, the fall leaves and Christmas uh, decor, you know, holiday decor. And I don't know, maybe we'll put some Easter eggs in there or something. I don't know. We'll see. It, it could be an entire seasonal journey for the for the people that are in your aquascape, their entire that's life. Ex that's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. So I've written, um, I've written up stories to go along with the seasonal changes just like i told a story on the making of it so and then mm -hmm. i'll get one step further and, and i know it's totally geeky but i don't care no, it's, fun. <laughs> it's all fun it's fun yeah definitely because um, yeah if you can't have fun then what's the point yeah. that's what i say yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> what are we doing if it's not fun <laughs> it's still a hobby at the end of the day yeah um, and just because others aren't doing it doesn't mean you can't and if it's in your house and you're enjoying it then 
that's ticked all the boxes that it needs to really tick. Yeah. Well, I tell you, Jeff, it's, I mean, this is my idea of adding a bit of fun. I've got a car that's with a fishing rod. I don't think you can see that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the car, and it sets the car with it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, awesome. Yeah. But um, we've actually had a question from somebody that's watching, um, and it's relating oh. to your comments on the lights. I'll bring it up on the screen. Um, he's just really wanting to know if you've got any advice for plants that extend above. You know, immersive plants like um, epiphytes and immersed growth, um, talking about leaf burning, humidity effect. So yeah. how do you get around that? Yeah, so uh, I'd had that exact same issue uh, when I first started the paludarium here. In fact, this is my first paludarium, by the way. I've never done one before. Uh, when it comes to terrestrial plants, I'm about as novice as you can get. Mm. So um, I've run into it. Uh, I did uh, a couple of things. First of all, uh, plants that really struggled, I didn't even try them. So I just pulled them. So they, they just weren't, um, they weren't right for the environment. The second thing I did is I realized that I had a vent up here in the corner that was blowing heat down in the winter. Oh. And I put a deflector, one of these little deflectors, plastic shields that distributes the, you know, sends the heat elsewhere instead of down into my tank. As soon as I did that, it cleared it right up and I've had no burn. Everything has been super lush. Uh, now this has a mister in it as well. You know, one of these little ultrasonic misters. Mm -hmm. I'll turn it on. Let's turn it on. Let's have some fun. So uh, I have that in there as well. It comes on and off. Right now we're at nighttime. I've actually got the lights forced on. Normally we're totally dark right now. So I have everything controlled uh, here on app. Nice. And it's just one of these you know, um, Wi-Fi power strips, nothing mm -hmm. fancy. So I just turned on, we'll see the, we'll see the, uh, let's see. How's that look? Oh, I see it coming in. Yeah. Mm, very cool. So I'm sure that helps with humidity inside the tank area. The other thing is almost everything is inside the tank as well. So I'm sure the humidity in the air uh, above the water is higher. Mm -hmm. And then my house isn't, you know, it's not that dry. I'd say 45% humidity, maybe at the worst. And, and to, I can give you a quick tour here. Let's see. So I have a tank over here. This is growing moss. This is the Miyake tank for the convention. Uh, I have a couple more tanks over here for playing with. Um, and then I have the 120 over here. So this is a fairly small room and I have a lot of aquariums mm. in here, right? So my humidity, yeah, humidity in this room is good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's ways to solve it. Misters, uh, rain systems where you can have it rain down, you know, the mist, fog that i've seen a lot of folks use that when it comes to paludariums i'm just as new as everybody else mm -hmm. just getting into it i've got one year of experience so I where did helped. you get the the buildings 
Um, what gave you the idea for that style of building? Um, yeah, so I, I knew I wanted to do a village and I've played a game called World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. And World of Warcraft has a city called Stormwind City. And it's medieval looking buildings and they had these blue roofs. And I was like, I want to make that. I really want to make this. And uh, so I went online, started searching, and I found these buildings from a designer. Uh, they called them the City of Firwood. City right. of Firwood was the design. And there were so many different types of buildings and people that matched the buildings and all the, they call it scattered terrain. This is, um, these buildings were for war gaming, tabletop war game. Cool. And I had no idea anything about it. And, and I saw them and I was like, oh, these would be perfect, except for they're too big. So they 3D print these buildings. Prints. Oh. And the, the scale was too big. The smallest you could get was something called 28 millimeter. And I needed, I, I did engineering math again. I thought, I need 15 millimeter. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to um, one of these Etsy shops and I said, can you print these buildings, but do it in 15 millimeter? And he's like, yeah, we'll give it a try. Brilliant. Awesome. I think the buildings are really cool. They, they definitely add, uh, add an ambiance. So it was the story I wanted to tell, you know, I wanted to transport people, to this city of Stormwind on the docks. <laughs> no, that's really, really cool. It's making me want to do something at this tank for my daughter. Um, she likes the dragons and things, and I think um, it's given me that. My brain's going 100 miles an hour now. I'm thinking I'm going to start doing something with this tank. So you planted a seed, <laughs> Jeff. <didn't> you, Jeff? <laughs> and I'm not the first to put stuff in the tank. I mean, oh. um, Oliver Knott has probably made it the, you know, most popular. Um, mm-hmm. This is Yoda stuff, Star Wars, um, yeah, dinosaurs. You know, he's done some great things. I love his work. He's such an awesome guy. Oh yeah. We've uh, we've just had someone join the chat who runs a shop in New Zealand as well, and he's a, a massive fan of ornaments and decorations sort of stuff so i'm sure he'll be very much enjoying seeing that in the background so he's, he's absolutely pro that so that's, that's cool uh, we've had another question so rochelle is asking she has a 91 centimeter tank and she'd like to have a bank in the tank that creates height in it mm-hmm. she uses sand but she finds the sand always tends to be flat after about a month how can she have the bank and hill last a little bit longer. Yeah, it's simply using hardscape. So uh, I do this all the time. So some of my aquariums have had, you know, slopes like this. And the way you do it is stone, uh, put all your stonework in and then backfill it with the sand or soil. Mm-hmm. So I, I extend my stones all the way to the bottom glass. Yeah. yeah. Do you lay it directly so, on the glass or do you have a barrier yeah. between the glass and the, and the stone? Right on the glass. Yeah. Yeah. You'll pick up a few scratches on the bottom of the glass, but I've never had any structural issues. Yeah. Of course, I've never put anything over 
you know, I've never put a stone in there over 60 pounds either. So be careful mm -hmm. if you're putting some big stones in there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So I always build to the bottom glass and that way it's structurally sound. Mm -hmm. I'll also um, tack the hardscape together with a little bit of glue, super glue. I use thick mm -hmm. super glue uh, with mm -hmm. accelerator. Uh, it's something I've been doing for a number of years now. And it makes maintenance a lot easier because it firms up the aquascape. Yet when you're done with it, you can easily take it apart. Um, it's not a structural, it's not structurally glued together. So if you just give it a quick snap wrap, you know, it'll, it'll break it right apart. Mm -hmm. And then you can chip off the glue and use that uh, hardscape again. Cool. cool. I hope that helps you, Rochelle. Um, it's not the answer I was, I was expecting with you going straight down to the glass. I thought you would want to put barriers under that to make sure things don't break and all that sort of thing. It's, it's a very common thought, at least over in New Zealand, that you've got to layer it yeah. so there's nothing going Plastic to break. Egg, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Not with these smaller stones. Yeah. Yeah. Smaller, I've, I've done all the way up to at least 45, 50 pound stones. Yeah. It's never been a problem. Yeah, so you know, I just about, set them. I set them in there, and yeah. 20, 20, 20 25 kilos. kilos yeah, yeah, yeah. Give twenty cash. kilos. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, I know my freedom units. <laughs> 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 I'll try to use metric for y'all. We um, at least in my mind, anytime it's in gallons and pounds, it already begins that process just from the amount of people that cross over one to another all the time. Anyway, so I'm sure there's plenty of people that. It, they do the same thing every time as well. Excuse me. Um, where do you draw your inspiration from whenever you're, you're designing and, and setting up? Is it just, I want to do this, or you're out in nature and you see something that looks phenomenal, or you've you know seen other people do something? How, how does that kind of process work for you? Yes. <laughs> There's your answer. Yes. <laughs> Anything and everything. I do not limit my imagination. I run wild with it. I mean, you can see it gets pretty wild. Mm. Um, what I care more about is it, once I have a vision, the execution. And that takes years of building up your skills and techniques, getting a mentor. Mentoring is very important. Uh, I'm a senior member of the Aquascapers Collective. Mm -hmm. is a North American-based, uh, you all have heard it, tag. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I'm a senior member. I mentor a number of people through that and uh, so that they don't have to go through all the pain I went through, you know, because I was doing this before there was anything on the internet. So I had to basically figure out all myself. Mm -hmm. But uh, you get a mentor to help you be able to execute your vision. So elevating your skills so you can execute that's that's where the magic is, right? It's just like being an artist. So let's say you're you're uh, you're into sketching or painting. You have to build up those skills to be able to draw what you want to draw. You know, you start with drawing mm -hmm. shapes and shading, and you know your line work and all that kind of stuff, and then perspective. And it's no different than any other art. Yeah. So I uh, I don't like to pick favorites. Um, I think favorites, if you start uh, doing favorites, it's, you know, like having a crutch, it's just, 
it, it also limits you. It limits your creativity. So I stay away from favorites. But yeah, I get inspired from other people, movies, games, nature itself, um, just wild ideas, shapes I saw, uh, the materials sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just let it rip. Anything you know, that goes into our yeah. yeah. Once you've got an idea in your head, do you try and draw it on a piece of paper so you don't kind of forget the concept or is it just stay in there until you let your hands and your eyes do the work? Yeah, uh, I would like to say it stays in my head, but the reality is I've thought of probably thousands at this point, thousands of things I want to do, and I've only yeah. executed hundreds. So I have not kept a list of what I want to do because it just changes. And as your journey progresses, your ideas and your visions are going to change as well. So there's mm -hmm. no, you know, if I came up with something 10 years ago that I wanted to do, you know, I'd, if I could even remember what that was or had written it down, I probably still wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to execute it today, most likely. So, you know, it's fresh. It's got to be fresh and it's got to be, you know, it's, it's one of these things where the hobby is progressing, right? If we looked at aquariums 10 years ago to today, they're totally, mm. they're, the, the, the skill level going into putting these aquascapes together is insanely improved. There's so many good aquascapers now. There's, there's, there used to be you know, 30, 50 people. Now I would say there's hundreds, if not thousands of good aquascapers mm. in the world, which is fantastic because that's really been my mission. Inspire, educate, and have fun, you know, getting people into the aquascaping hobby. Mm. Yeah. Some, some successful. <laughs> I've got another a question from one of the watchers. Uh, would you consider aquascaping an art in of itself or an extension of fish keeping as a whole? Yeah, I'd say both. I, I don't think they're uh, exclusive. I think the fish are always the main actors, the, the main characters. There's superstars, right? Mm -hmm. And then the aquascaping is the ambiance, the story, the set. Um, without a set for your character to play in, you know, what, what would Luke Skywalker be without um, what uh, Tatooie or Tatooine? <laughs> Someone help me. <laughs> you know, in, in the, the, or the ice planet or, or you know, the battles. You, you got to have these sets for your main actors to, to act, play, yeah. behave. Yeah. So yeah, they go hand in hand, but aquascaping is definitely an art oh, and yeah. it is, it is, you know, in, it's elevating the aquarium hobby because you're, you're, you're bringing emotion and feeling into your aquarium beyond just having, you know, your pet fish. So you have all of that and then you're adding this world to it. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, it's brought creativity back into Fish keeping. I mean, fish keeping was always fish keeping, but with the, the the merge with the internet and then aquascaping combined, is it's created a whole different side to aquariums. Um, and then you divide that into the the plant enthusiasts, and then you've got people who focus on the diorama style, um, for you know purely for the fun element, and then 
you know, there's so many different layers to aquascaping that it just goes on and on and on and it continues to grow. And that's what I love about it. You know, um, folks have been, uh-oh, did we lose my camera? No, we're still good. So uh, folks have been breeding fish in their fish rooms for a long time, right? Yeah. I used to do it. Uh, I know lots of people do it. Once you're done breeding, you're either trying to make, you know, better individuals or better strains and all that kind of stuff. Well, you're never showcasing those fish. They're usually in just a plain tank and mm. take all of that work and show it off. Get it out of the basement into the living room, right? Mm. Show it, show it off to the world. Yeah. And uh, to do that, you know, to make those thing like a planted tank to me and i've done i've done pretty much every kind of aquarium you can think of uh, i just the the plants to me are magical so and they're so they're so in, in most you know most fish at least the fish in our hobby have some type of natural environment where it's plants substrate mm -hmm. wood or stones so without those and, and laying them out in a way that they can swim around and explore and search for their food and do their mating behavior, yeah. without that, it just kind of falls flat. You know, it's kind of so boring. Do you, them. what comes first when you're setting up a new aquarium, the fish or the plants? Uh, I would like to say the fish, but that's not true. <laughs> so... Um, I really, I stick to nanofish um, mm -hmm. predominantly because of the size of my aquariums. And yeah. I don't want to blow up my scale. I've worked so hard to get the scale perspective correct. I don't want to see a big fish that's not mm. swimming because the tank's not big enough. And that goes with, even if you do nanofish, if you get too big of a school, you have the same problem. Sure. A, a, a fish school, they follow the leader, right? So if the leader gets to the end before the the guys at the back even have a chance to move, guess what? They're not going to swim very far. Mm -hmm. But if you have a small school and this guy, you know, comes all the way across, right? They're going to do this. So there's all sorts of, you know, things to take into consideration. Uh, so, and I've I've kept so many fish at the, at this point, and I do have a few that I like better just because of their behaviors you know they're not as shy they're more active they'll you know whatever whatever it is about them I, I like the interaction with the fish versus them being shy and and hide away or or whatever yeah uh, i i tend to you know these small schools resboras or tetras or um uh the pseudomogills those are before, the rainbow fish. They're fantastic. Mm -hmm. oh, those are some of my favorite fish I've ever capped was the fork yeah. tail. Mm -hmm. um, Beautiful fish. Oh, and the sparring between them. It's just yeah, it's stuff like that. It's, yeah, I'm looking for, I guess after, you know, almost 50 years of doing this, I, I just, I just need more out of it than just a pretty fish. It's, yeah. it's interesting because... I mean, People I, I talk to, like, the longer you've been in the hobby, it's less about this bright, colourful fish. It's about how they interact with your aquarium, how they interact with each other. Some of the more subtle markings, like the glow light Daniels with this yellow orange stripes on them, it's far more breathtaking than, like, just a big, bold 
uh, Cardinal Tetraphoronic as an example. And, and the more you do it, there's more of these intricate things that you you look for and want to experience mm-hmm. with the fish and plants that you're keeping. Yeah, exactly. So I hope that answers the question. That was a long yeah. answer. Sorry. I try to keep no, it no, short. No, that's fine. Um, it's always interesting because um, somebody that, for somebody that's not sort of big on aquarium plants and they've, they're more of a practical kind of nitrate eliminator thing the the um the fish is always their focus and plants come secondary but when somebody's into aquascaping and then creativity of the environment the focus is always the plants and the fish complement the plants so you know what you said is, is pretty much what i would expect to hear from somebody that's doing competitive aquascaping so i was just curious yeah very true you know uh john i keep I keep looking at you and I keep seeing this red dot appearing on your forehead. And I'm just wondering <laughs> when the sniper's going to take you out. <laughs> really? Yeah, I so. <laughs> oh dear. You're in danger of the house. Yeah. <laughs> the curtains are closed. It's so Is funny. it this up here? Yeah. Yeah, right there. <laughs> there you oh, go. That's actually. It's so glare funny. on my bald head. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Makeup. While, while we're on the, the topic of fish, is there, yeah, um, like specific fish that you've narrowed yourself right down to to only, or do you still explore different no, fish no, no, or no. different scapes? No, yeah, I still I still do some stuff. Like I just had programmies, love programmies. Hadn't had them forever. I got seven juveniles and grew them up to adults, and they were fantastic, and I loved them. But it was. They were just too big for the tank. I had to move them. They were, you know, in the 120, having seven programmies, it's just yep. you know, too much. It's too much. Yeah. So it's just for their benefit. I, I sold them off and got them a new home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. I've not long set up a 150 liter with a bunch of juvenile programmies. Absolutely love the fish. I think they're phenomenal, beautiful fish well aware that the amount that I've gotten is going to have to be thinned down, if not completely removed at some point. I'm mm-hmm. hoping that I can get away with like a male and a female and then thinning out, thinning out the rest of them, but we'll see, we'll see how that goes. So for the time yeah. being, they're, they're still small, so they're okay. So. And I try not getting attached to my fish either. And I got attached to these pearls, you know, I could put my hand in the tank, they would come in and just nestle in my hand and all that. Mm, nice. You know, so they were definitely pets, and I try not making them, you know, where they're named. <laughs> and I travel a lot too, so it's difficult. So, um, yeah, they had to they had to find a new home. Yeah. I've got a question from the viewers: How do you incorporate flow and filtration into your aquascapes? How should that affect how we place our hardscape? versus aesthetics yeah it's it's extremely uh important um number one i don't i don't aquascape around equipment and like if there's an overflow or a pipe or something i don't try to hide it with a rock because you know what happens it looks like there's a piece of equipment behind there with a rock in front of it because it never looks right it's not part of the aquascape Mm -hmm. so it looks like you're trying to hide it so just own the equipment, pretend it's not there, aquascape the tank. Don't worry about the equipment. 
flow is so important, especially if you're injecting CO2. So uh, adequate flow is so, so important, as well as the um, water surface, getting ripple across the top of the water surface to increase oxygen levels. So more oxygen in the tank, healthier the tank. Mm-hmm. So I've, um, I've got skimmers running on a tank, either um, a crystal skim from Oaza or one of the inline ones where you have it on the intake part of the canister. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always run skimmer. I swear that is the best piece of equipment I've added in my entire aquascaping hobby. Uh, as soon as I started running skimmers, my tanks were, are just gorgeous. And I think it's because of the higher oxygen levels, as well as you don't have to worry about too high of CO2 as, uh, as much as well, because it'll off-gas a little bit of the CO2. So, um, yes, flow is very important. I usually upsize, so like my 120, I'm running the Wasa 850, uh, which is for 850 liter tanks and 600 on the 90 centimeters. So I upsize one filter for mm-hmm. for flow and i think that that those are perfect matches so like here the awasa skipper line 90 i'm running the biomaster thermo 600 flow is perfect in here and this tank is you can see it's lg free it's gorgeous i've only done like five water changes in a year on this bad boy wow yeah so and then on the one t- the 120 centimeter which is um 240 liters or 7 liters, um, I run the Biomaster 850, and it's perfect flow as well. And then also the output of the flow. Uh, I like to use lily pipes typically, but uh, if I'm not, not using a lily pipe, which is you know the big outlet, mm-hmm. I'll use a, a jet pipe, which is a, a small outlet, and I'll aim it right at a piece of hardscape so that yeah. it gets turbulent flow. Mm-hmm. Uh but you do have to be very careful. So if there's too much hardscape where the um, the flow isn't moving the water through the tank and you're not getting um, gases moved and waste taken out, power heads, wave makers, yeah, I'll add them. I'll add second filters. I've run, I've run my 120 with two filters before because mm-hmm. of that reason where I went so heavy in hardscape. Nowadays, I'm smarter. I don't put that much hardscape in that I can't get it done with one filter. And I try to not have stuff that I got to maintain in the aquarium. So I try mm-hmm. to keep everything outside the aquarium so that you're not maintaining it all the time. Comes back to lifestyle. How much time do you have to invest in the hobby? You know, so I factor all of this in when I set my hardscape up. So I am thinking about flow. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. flow is being thought about um going boy that looks kind of cool there but wow it blocks off half the tank yeah i don't do that anymore cool that's a fantastic answer it's um, one of the things that a lot of people i know people that are just starting out um aquascaping they'll go head on the hardscape because that's the easy part you know playing it and that's quite a fun part but then when it comes to maintenance day it's an absolute nightmare to navigate around overhanging rocks and wood and mm. and we skip maintenance because it's difficult and you, there's a, a growing algae patch on the glass around this bit that you can't reach and that then spreads and so yeah I think thinking ahead is um is really important. Um you know taking make the aquascape 
bold, but not complex. Mm -hmm. Like there, there's been a trend. I, I would say there's been a trend over the last seven years or so where there's a lot of fiddly bits, a lot of tiny details and stuff. And honestly, I don't think they make or break the aquascape. It's the composition. It's the plant. It's the color palette you chose, the textures, the fish that are making or breaking the tank. All the complexity that's added, like all the little chips and stone and the sand and all that stuff, right? The little twigs and I mean, they're yeah. nice, I guess, but it's not worth the maintenance in my, in my opinion. Do you think um, there should be an element of life span when judges are grading aquariums in contests now? Well, I mean, I would be a hypocrite if I said yes, because I was flipping my tank like crazy. Um, I think we have a long way to go. And that's one of the areas, right, is longevity. Mm -hmm. There's contests that judge the longevity and the maintenance of a tank, like Aquatica Gardeners Association, which this is entered in. You know, do they know that this is a, coming up on a year old or not? I don't know. So I did add it to the notes, whether they get the notes or not, I don't know. So I think that that should be heavily factored in. How long has it been going successfully? Yeah. Um, there, there's so many thoughts, especially when it comes to these competitions. That it's, Competition for art is kind of just a weird thing. I think it needs to be taken for fun. I mean, there's a serious element. You want people to put the effort in. And there's, you know, prize money that folks are going after, but the majority of people aren't going to end up in the prize money. So, you know, it's, it's one of these things where it's art. How do you judge art? And judge, yeah. And judges, who's judging the judges? How, how are the judges qualified and, and, and so on. Right. So it just starts unraveling really fast if you're not doing it for fun. You know, if you're if you're willing to put effort and you're proud of what you're displaying, that should be enough. Mm -hmm. You know, and we have the outlets these days. We have Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, or you can share your work with your your um, fellow hobbyists and and other folks. So it's it's one of these things like uh, the competition stuff. I've really. I wouldn't say retired, but just taking a break from it because it just doesn't make sense for me anymore. I mean, that the folks looking at my work aren't even, they don't even understand what they're looking at because they haven't done it and they haven't um, experienced that. And they're just basing it on what they like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and their, in their overall impression. And they're trying to compare that against it's, it's a thankless job being a judge. I've been a judge. It's a horribly thankless job. You, mm -hmm. you have to spend a lot of time. Um, yeah. And all you do is you don't even get an attaboy half the time. So that's one thing uh, I, I don't like judging at all. Uh, no, I've, I've done myself and it's, it's, it's time consuming. It's, mm -hmm. it's really quite demanding as well because you, you don't want to, you want to try and give each entry the, the same kind of approach. And it's difficult because they're all different. And, Aquariums appeal to you in different ways for different reasons, and it's hard to kind of keep a level pan throughout the whole thing. So, yeah, it's, as it's a yeah. minefield. 
Yeah, so I'm really happy where I'm at now. So I've kind of put competition in the rearview mirror. Not to say I'm not going to compete, but um, like always, I do it for me. Do it for me first, and then I'm sharing it with the world. And competition were the only way to share it in the past. Um, you know, that's where everyone would gather to see him, and it was like a big party. And I think that that's kind of diverged. You know, its original spirit has kind of devolved into more just straight competition and, um, you know, people trying to get name recognition or trying to become professional aquascapers, you know, the, the, the motives are no longer pure, purely art. Mm -hmm. Right. So sponsorships and things now, I think as well. Sponsorships. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's tough, but I think they're important, but, I think a lot of smart people have to get together and figure it out to, to make a fair level, fun playing field. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know where they're headed. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just sitting on something you said earlier regarding layers front to back, trying to get three, four, five layers, and then talking about filtration and flow. When you're layering, how close to the back glass are you wanting to go? Are you blocking off one section and making the flow work around it? Are you leaving a gap for the flow to get through it? How does that I, filtration I'm work? Always leaving a gap back there. Yeah, and then, so then and you're... I almost always have a um, the back line of the aquarium. The last inch or two, that last layer is mm -hmm. predominantly plants. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that I'm assuming would then add more, more depth. With, I'm assuming higher plants as well, and then allowing the water to continue to do its thing around. It depends. It just depends on the aquascape. Like um, folks used to categorize plants as uh, foreground, midground, background plants. Mm -hmm. I hate that. <laughs> there's there's no reason I can't take a background plant and put it in the foreground. Yeah, I've done it. I did it on my last IAPLC entry. I had Nymphaea yeah. in the front. You know, so there's no reason why you, you, it's up to the artist to decide where it works in their vision. That's where the plant belongs, not mm -hmm. because they're short, medium, or tall. So I hate foreground, midground, background. And I guess it makes logical sense for a beginner. You know, if you're giving beginning advice, don't put a big wall of tall plants right in the front of the tank because you won't be able to see into it. Mm. You know, so it, it, it makes some sense, but just labeling it that way, I think just limits creativity. Yeah. I just don't like doing it. I mean, the same thing kind of applies with stones. Um, if you put, the, initially you think big stones go to the back, but if you're wanting to create like a pathway, you're going to want to put the big stones at the front and create the smaller ones to, to make it look like you're looking down that road or down that Yeah, river. that actually, that is um, a very common way for a beginner aquascaper to look at it. Mm -hmm. Really what you're doing is you're, pr you're practicing perspective, either one or two point perspective usually. And anyone who's drawn perspective lines gets it. So if you're on a railroad track, those railroad tracks close to you are wide and then they narrow off to nothing yeah. towards the vanishing point, right? Mm -hmm. So you're doing the same thing with your hardscape. So bigger and smaller 
yes, you need a variety to show that there's difference. Like a big stone's not big if it's next to another big stone and another big stone. You got to have some little and medium in there so you can understand it's a big stone. That's scale. Perspective mm -hmm. is the railroad tracks. And you put those two together to come up with your vision. So yeah. without getting further into the weeds on that, that's really what you're looking at. So you're looking at those perspective lines. You're setting your vanishing point and you're drawing in your perspective lines. Either, I mean, there's folks that'll actually draw them right in. I, I used to do it in the past. Well, I'll draw right on the tank. <laughs> um, I'll take one yeah. of those glass, you know, window markers and draw yeah. perspective lines, set my, you know, here's my vanishing point and draw lines on the tank that can then be wiped off later. Uh, so, and then the scale, you know, do you, you want, uh, you could use a big stone in the back because you want it to look huge, you know, and small stones up front, but you got to obey those perspective lines. Yeah. So some, somehow you have to get those lines drawn in, whether it's using other materials. So you can use stone, wood, substrate, plant lines. So you can do all this with plants as well. So you could have the plants in the upper corners coming you know and trim them down to that vanishing point so there's many ways to tackle this so it's it's all basic art skills mm -hmm. it, everything an artist does you know painter sketcher you know sculptor all of these artists and aquascapers there's no difference the the honestly the biggest difference that we have is aquascapers we're working with living materials mm -hmm. right whereas like It is, um, it is an evolving, dynamic, living piece of art. Mm, absolutely, so, oh, right? It's, <laughs> it, it's, not, it's, it's not going to stay the same. Well, that's it. And you've got when you're creating it, you've got to think: how is it going to change? How is it going to grow in? Um, how are we going to keep it? The same, or how we're going to make adjustments to allowances for for that part to grow, but keep this part the way it is and things. So yeah, it's not just drawing it, a picture. It's and there's there's no pictures. yeah there's exactly there's no right or wrong. There's just levels of execution. Yeah, you know, a, a beginner versus a master. How to trim trim the plants, knowing what plants to select, how they're going to grow. You know keeping them under control with your methods. Did you put them in the right spots to make your vision come to, um, come to literal life? Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's cool. Easy to mm. start, hard to master. <laughs> Very much so. Um, we had another question from one of the watches a little while ago. Um, how do you feel about aquascaping with things like expanding foam and such and that sort of stuff? Um, I'm assuming that would be to fill voids and um, create and mold and, and shape and that kind of thing. Yeah, it has its place. Adhesives, yeah. you need adhesives in some cases. I am not afraid of using nails, screws, zip ties, um, uh, foam, super glue, not afraid to do them. Well, but epoxy. but epoxies, and you name it, I'm not afraid to use it. I've probably used it. But here's the caveat. I don't want any of it showing. I don't want any of it visible. Mm. This also goes with um, 
hardscape materials. Somebody's out in the in nature collecting wood with chainsaw. Right? Flat edge. I'm not aquascaping with that flat edge. I don't want it visible. I will mm -hmm. tool it, add something to it, do something to modify it, get rid of that cut edge. So it looks natural, organic. I don't want this stuff visible. Uh, this tank behind me, um, while we have these, these buildings, which are clearly, you know, all the man-made stuff is artificial, but everything else in this tank is natural. Yeah, so it's real sand, real wood, real plants, real soil, real stones. Everything is natural. You cannot see the adhesives used or, you know, you can't really peek behind the curtain when you look at this tank from any angle. Mm. So that, again, easy to, you know, to start, hard to master. It's really easy mm. to glue two pieces of stone together, really hard to glue two pieces of stone together and make it look good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, with so yeah, with so I'm I'm almost natural. I, I'm I'm natural in the front, <laughs> propped up in the back. <laughs> um, again, prior prior to this coming up, I'm doing some research and watching the YouTube channel and um, the mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember what they're called now, but the, the group of videos that you put together, um, the series that you did um, beyond beyond the photo. Yeah, oh, yes. It's, yes. It's a phenomenal series. It's, there's mm -hmm. something very real about how you approach that, the way you discuss that, um, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, the entire journey through it. And, and part of that was when you were scaping your wood and you had your saw bench out, you were, you were cutting them with your saber saw, then mm -hmm. routering them out and, and getting it how you wanted, just like you were explaining then. And then in the end, you ended up with some plants that wouldn't grow, an algae that you couldn't get rid of, and... For those of you that haven't seen it, it's well worth just sitting down and watching that for an hour and a half or however long it sort of goes because it is an incredible back view story or back view look of how aquascaping works. It's phenomenal. Um, how did that concept and that idea come about for you to want to document that whole process? Well, nobody had done it before, and why not give it a shot? It turned out yeah. to be a massive undertaking. Escaping it was a huge undertaking to begin with. And then filming it and vlogging this whole thing was way more than I bargained for. So, so yeah, so there hasn't been an episode or version two of that yet. So we'll <laughs> see if I'll do another one. Um, but uh, I think it's one of these where there's so many aquascaping nuggets in there. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, how yeah. to do things you have to pay attention because I don't always explain what I'm doing I show what I'm doing you have to watch and pay attention there's just so many nuances that are revealed in those videos mm. Mm. and like I said it was such a behind the curtain look at how it <clears throat> how it works and, and if you haven't seen or we're unaware of it it's well worth watching just for that the way that it, that it goes about it was even delivery and the shots like the whole thing was um yeah i spoke to john slightly earlier before this and i said it was very much a jaw-dropping sort of a wow this is a, a great a great take so um i've really appreciated that and hopefully plenty of other people can jump on that and watch it and and like i said there's plenty of nuggets in there that is worth worth just taking taking account on and yeah it was phenomenal work so 
Thank yeah, you for bringing I appreciate that. that. Community. Yeah. I, 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 I really appreciate those kind words. Um, I put yeah, obviously a lot of effort into it. I'm extremely passionate about the hobby and it all goes back to the mission, right? Inspire, educate, and have fun. And the, the crazy thing is um, I had no social presence at all um, up to about a little over two years ago. I didn't have mm -hmm. any social media on my phones or anything like that. So I'm just getting started, getting started. And uh, it's, it's been, um, it's definitely been a learning experience, especially the filming and editing because it's a mm -hmm. one man show. Everything you see, I've done everything I do the, you know, I'm the talent making the, you know, um, the aquascapes. I'm doing all the speaking. I do the script writing. I'm doing the filming, the, the audio work, the editing, you know, all of that stuff. It's all, it's all. Wow. Me. So it's been a massive, massive undertaking. And, um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you liked it. I, I can assure you, I didn't, not expected to be just you doing everything i thought you would have recorded <laughs> sent it away to someone to edit because yeah brilliant um and you know you've, you've said before you wanted to inspire people and i can assure you after watching that i was writing notes and drawing pictures and <laughs> well, i've got to stand and it, that already began fueling my my mind for something that i'd like to play with so it definitely inspired me so again if anyone hasn't watched it i seriously can, would suggest you to go and, and and check it out on youtube it's well worth it um, sorry about my little rant there. A little bit of a starstruck <laughs> moment. Um, is there a specific uh, like brands or fertilizers or aquasoils, or for example, that you found a, a more efficient? And what's your sort of fertilizing regime, I suppose, to making sure your mm. your plants are in full full health and 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 thriving for you? Yeah. So uh, currently, I am a firm believer in root tabs. So I use aqua soil. I use aqua soil in all my tanks for my plants. Uh, that's one of those things when I start doing aqua soil, that's when my plants start looking optimal because I'm not trying to grow okay or good plants. I'm trying to grow optimal plants. I want, you know, I want those things to pop. I, yeah. I know what they look like good. Uh, and I know what they look like optimal. So, um, I do a combination. So I use aqua soil and then there's two basic types of aqua soil. There's one with ammonia and one with not without. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you need to realize that. So I like both, they both have their purposes and, uh, really our plants in the aquariums are going to be nitrogen limited. So the more nitrogen you can provide those plants, the better and longer they're going to be optimal. So um, you have to have a plan for nitrogen fertilization, whether that is where the soil is loaded with it to begin with. Um, and then it's still, it's still going to need replenishment because it's going to consume them. Uh, I was just speaking to Tom Barra at length about this. We went on and on because I have a good grasp of how this works. And we were talking about the rice fields and stuff and the, the Sacramento um, in the Valley, the Delta there where they inject the ammonious, I think it's ammonious hyd hydroxide. He's going to kill me. I always say I wasn't paying good enough attention, <laughs> but injecting the nitrogen into the rice fields and they inject it below the soil. 
this solution so that it doesn't get a lot of oxygen to it because the bacteria will eat it. So wow. you don't want the bacteria eating it. You want your rice to eat it. So, um, you know, and how they do that every year, they inject that in, you know, get their crops growing uh, great every year. Same thing with aquascaping. So a lot of the information from a scientific standpoint, I follow Tom Barr's methods. Mm -hmm. So um, I came across Tom Barr's site. Um, actually, I saw him on the for forums. There's a forum called plantedtank.net. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. familiar with it? Yeah. yeah. So um, Tom was one of the, pro uh, he was the most prolific author on that site. <laughs> and uh, I attached onto that and it all made sense to me with my environmental engineering background. It, you know, it all, and then I put it into practice. It worked, you know, I'm, I'm cranking out award-winning aquascapes year after year. Uh, so I knew that this was the way I'm going to do it. So um, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of soil nutrients, and then I'll also dose the water column, but more sparingly, mm -hmm. more like uh, what ADA would do. What happens if you get too much nitrogen in the water column, you'll end up with something uh, I coined as green rock disease. Your rocks turn green, right? It's just that real tight. It's not green spot algae. It's Maybe it is green spot algae. I don't even know what type of algae it is, but it's a very, um, uh, what's the word for it? It just coats the rocks. It's not like slimy or anything like that, but the rocks turn green and you can't get mm -hmm. the stuff off. It's very, it's very hard, right? Mm -hmm. So if you limit nitrogen in the water column, you won't get those green rocks. I mean, you, I don't know if you can see the rocks here, but this is a year. So these rocks have been in here a year. Oh, wow. So you can see they're not, they're not green, right? Mm. So this rock has been in there a year. So that is why I limit nitrogen. Oh no, what did I do? Are you still there? Yeah, okay. yeah. It was still going. <laughs> okay. Yikes. Mm. So anyway, um, if, if you're interested in how I fertilize, go to the bar report. Mm -hmm. dot com join that website and uh look at uh what he's got suggested because i pretty much follow that except for i limit nitrogen in the water column a little bit more yeah yeah so that's is that sort of following the ei method or is that a slight is that a yeah. different it's yeah. different so it's a, yeah. it's a, like a modified ei where ei you yeah. would be loading up the water column with nitrogen yeah, which yeah. is fantastic yeah. for a farm tank or a tank with, say, wood only. You have algae eaters in there, and that yeah. and that and that's great because the algae eaters have a source of food. Um, so uh, it's a modified EI. You know, it's making yeah. sure that the plants have excess amount of nutrients, yeah. but limiting it. So I'm putting the nitrogen in the soil. Right. Okay. Um, a little just before you mentioned, there's uh, aquasoils with and without ammonia. Mm -hmm. um can you for our viewers is there a visual difference is there a branding difference no Do the bags you just say? have to know and they don't even put it on the bag you just have to know it's kind of um i don't know why that is <laughs> can, i guess can you some, some might... examples of that do and ones that don't uh i can tell you the waza escaper soil does not okay um 
I believe Seachem, the, um, what is it called? Aquasolum? Yep. I don't yep. think Excellent. that will leach ammonia, or if it does, it's mm -hmm. very little. Uh, mm -hmm. Tropica will, ADA will. Mr. Aqua won't. Um, trying to think of what other ones I've used. Yeah. I know there's more. I can't think of them, but there's we, a handful have, for you. We're, we're pretty limited to the aquasoils that we can get here in New Zealand. Um, the CQM1 is definitely here, and I believe mm -hmm. the Tropica 1 is here, and the ADA is on, on the way. So like, we're, we're very limited, but there'll be definitely mm -hmm. some people that are watching that you know, probably taking notes to to see what they can play around with, with that as well. So, yeah, and you can add, you can actually add it. So you can use, I can't remember, if it's, it's it's ammonia sulfate, and you can put your aqua soil in a bucket and then dump in. You know, and I have to actually do the calculations because I haven't done this. What are the, whether it's a tablespoon of the salts? So it's a salt. You can buy it. Mm. You can buy it online. You can get it pretty easily. It's a fertilizer. You put it on mm -hmm. terrestrial plants, and uh, you can you can charge the soil yourself. Yeah. So you can put um, you can put uh, the soil in a bucket, fill the bucket with water, so it just tops the soil. Uh, add your solution of ammonium sulfate, and then let it charge for a week, and then uh, drain off the water and dump the soil onto a tarp. And let it dry in the sun, and then re, mm -hmm. you know, and put it back in the bucket. You don't want to leave it wet because uh, the the bacteria will eat up the ammonia you just added. Yeah. So you want to dry it out, and then it'll be stable. And that's basically that's basically what the manufacturers are doing. Oh, okay. So um, you can do it yourself. So you can have yeah. both ways. Like if you want to keep shrimp, you probably don't want it, right? You you don't, you don't want to have added ammonia. So you could buy this substrate. Um, without it and then add it if you want. And it's very inexpensive and it only lasts so long anyway. Hmm. So I, I, I think Tom was showing me, I think it was like at 12 months, it was pretty degraded and 18 months it was wiped out, which was yep. really interesting because every other nutrient actually had increased from wow. fish food, waste, all that kind of stuff because of the cation wow. exchange and all the science that goes behind it. And the reason we yep. use clay material for aqua soils, the other all the other stuff went up <laughs> nitrogen nitrogen yep. got depleted so that's the only one we really need to worry about yeah tell me if i'm imagining things but i want to say that i've watched videos or read articles about people getting nutrients and syringes and injecting it into their soil mm -hmm. underneath it is that, is that a thing or am i just yeah sure imagining it that is a thing yeah no sure you yeah. can do that absolutely yeah. well you know some of it will bind to the soil some the plant roots will uptake immediately, especially if you're injecting anything with ammonia, which is dangerous because it can kill mm. fish. Mm. So if you're a beginner, don't do that. Leave that to somebody who is experimenting or whatever. Yeah. Um, ammonia, by the way, ammonia is the only one that'll stick to the soil. Nitrates, nitrates, mm. nitrogen. There's no other way to get nitrogen uh, connected to the soil. It has to be ammonia. Yeah, so that's that's why they that's why they use it in the rice fields and that yeah. because it'll it'll stick to the clay particles and then be available to the plants. So as a as the you know you get your um, capsules that you can put into the soil. Mm -hmm. Is there capsules that have that that you can just simply push them into the soil and and do the same thing? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, research, yeah. yeah, one second. If you guys are enjoying this and you've got any questions for Jeff, please fire away in the, in the comments. We can try and get to them if we can as well. So I have a good relationship with Tropica and they send me plants. So I'm sponsored by them. They, they give me free product. No, no money. I just, I like their products. This is exactly what you're talking about right yeah, here. I've tried them. Um, Yuri sent me some of them a while back as well. They're brilliant. Yeah, they're really good. And there's a lot of companies that make them. Tropicas work well. I've used them for two years now, so I have some extensive use. And then I'll I'll use this sparingly. Mm -hmm. And this here uh, contains a full mix of nutrients. And then they have one that is nitrogen deficient. Yeah. yeah. Do um mm -hmm. do those tabs work just as efficiently? in say something inert like a sand or a normal gravel or are they specifically designed yes. to work in aquasoils yeah and especially if so if it's just nitrate um in the so they don't say usually how they get the nitrogen in the capsule you know what form it is in yeah um i would love to know that what what form is it in so like this one here says the this each of these tablets is 21 percent n but we don't know what the form of N is. So if it's nitrate, it will not adhere to the soil. Mm. So, but the plants can still uptake it. So it will not recharge the soil, but the plants can get the nutrients though. They can get their nitrogen. Yeah. So um, if you add these and you're dosing a nitrogen rich fertilizer to the water column, you're going to extend the life of the soil, the, the ammonia bound to the soil because the plants will be demanding less from the soil because that if that's their only source because plants can uptake through the roots as well as their leaves, their nutrients. So you can reduce the demand on the soil and extend the life of the, the ammonia in the soil. Do you know, I'm assuming it's different between plant species to plant species, but do you know the ratio of uptake of fertilizers or, or nutrients from roots to leaves? Is there a any sort of knowledge base that's been worked on that? I, I have not seen that. And I, and I know there's transporters. There's like, um, there are enzymes and such in the plant that are transporters and you have different types of transporters and the, each plant itself will develop different transporters based on the environment what type of nutrients, what concentration of nutrients. That's why we want to keep consistency. So if the plant is used to being in a high uh, fertilized, high or a rich environment, right? It's going to develop those transporters. And then you say, do a water change. You flush all the nutrients out of the system and you have mm. no nutrients in the system. Mm. It's got to develop the, the low, um, volume transporters, the low concentration transporters. I figure out what the scientific name on those is. I'm an artist these days. <laughs> I'm, reti I'm retired. <laughs> I'm just an artist. So uh, again, go to the bar report. All this stuff yep. is out there and you can get the definitive authoritative uh, answer to all these things. But that is my understanding. So hopefully, hopefully that helps. So is that some of the reasoning why that aquarium behind you has only had five water changes over the last year. 
to not be playing the around water, with that system too much. Yeah, so the, the water right. quality is stable, um, and there's just no reason to do a water change. The clarity of the water is there. Um, the plants are healthy. The parameters, so I measure the parameters in the water. They're healthy. They're where I want them. There's no reason to change the water. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. yeah. If you're, if you're, so like if you want to grow, and these, these are not optimal plants, by the way, behind me. Mm -hmm. These are low maintenance. I'm having fun time. Wow. It, they're, they're not for contests, right? So mm -hmm. even though they look, they look beautiful, these plants look stunted um, and not optimal growth. So if I want to enter one of the major international aquascaping contests, what I do is I really load up on nutrients. I, mm -hmm. I have my CO2 cranked up to the maximum. I have um, lots of fertilizers and I run extremely high light. And I'm, for instance, I'm getting six inches of Rotala growth a week. Wow. Six inches is what, 12, 12 14 centimeters? A lot. A week. Yeah. So, I, um, mm -hmm. you know, that, and that's for, that's for a contest tank. So I'm getting yes. big, bushy, full plants and I'm turning them over constantly. And mm -hmm. the, the leaves look perfect. They're, they're large and, and you, you can just see the uh, leaf under the microscope looks perfect. The colorations are uh, outstanding, you know, dark, greens, light greens, yellows, oranges, reds, all of those colors are coming out of the plants. The form looks good. The inner node space between the, the plants uh, leaves along the stem are mm -hmm. tight and compact all the way from the yeah. bottom. There's no leaf drop off of the bottom of the tank. All of these things go into that process. And I've, I'm constantly just dumping the fertilizer in the tank constantly because it's getting mm. consumed fast mm. so but it's i would say for majority of people 99 percent of people aquascaping don't do that do this mm -hmm. yeah so you've you, you've just taken me on an absolute journey during that and it's brought me back to your video series and you're talking about the the precise moment in time when you take your photo that you send in for your for the judging in this competition or any competition. Mm -hmm. Do you just know when it's the right time to take the photo? Or are you training everything to be precise so you can time everything where you need it to be and then begin that process of in this window is photo time? Yeah. So based on experience, I know generally where that's going to be. I'm not leaving anything to chance. It's not like, um, oh, I'm on week 22. I'm going to pull the camera out and shoot a photo. Mm. That's not how it works. Mm. I pull out the camera on week, in fact, day one, mm -hmm. week one, week four, week eight, week 12, and I can see the progress. So sure. it's not a surprise. It's, it's, yeah. it, it is very much, I know, okay, I need to, you know, I'm drawing, so I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking my iPad here and I'm taking my photo and I'm drawing on it and, and I'm planning my changes of where I'm going to trim and all that. And I know how fast the plants are going to grow. And all, so it's all calculated, all planned out. So there's nothing left to chance. So when I go to shoot the final photo, the only thing 
that I'm not a hundred percent sure on is where the fish are going to end up. And even that yeah. I try to control like, um, so if you, uh, scare your fish into a school, they lose their color. Right. They'll fade because they're stressed. Oh. Mm. You have to learn, you have to train your fish and learn where they're going to be, where you want them in a photo and train them to be that in that position also, when the equipment comes off and we're doing like um, surface ripples, those are hair dryers. Fish hate huh. hair dryers. Excuse me. I dropped something that I don't want to drop. But uh, so I'll even take practice photos the whole way, simulating the final shoot result. So I know where the fish are going to be. Yeah, so there's there's so much effort that goes into one of these contest mm. um, aquascapes. Yeah. How do you train the fish? Because that was something else that resonated with me during that video series. Uh, for instance, um, if it's a, a, a school of small nanofish that are fairly um, outgoing, Mm-hmm. You can use your hand. So I'll actually take my hand, put it into the tank, and just kind of corral them all up to a corner, feed them, <laughs> kind of just gently, just gently scoop them up, you know, doing water change or whatever, and then sprinkle a little food, let them eat, and then I release just when they're done the eating. Yeah, and I release, and then they'll flow out of the corner naturally. Yeah. So, and when I say feed, I mean the teeniest tiny amount. So it's gone within moments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just so they, so the, they associate my hand is not dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And they get them comfortable with your hand and then you could just corral them back to where you want them. Mm -hmm. Take your hand off. And then I have a remote trigger on my camera and I start snapping photos as they come back out of the corner and they'll come out nice in a nice gentle swim and usually the formation will be um exceptional and you get them typically where you want them because you've done this 25 50 times wow yeah no it doesn't work on all fish yeah that yep. doesn't work on all fish so you just have to work with whatever your fish's behavior is yeah but that will that hand method will work for the majority of fish so you get a nice natural swim it's really important too for the final photos effect so that the fish don't overlap. Mm. So you want them to swim out in a controlled manner so where they're doing the follow the leader thing. Yeah. You'll see, um, typically you'll see if they're spooked, you'll see that they're more overlapped and they're real tight. So they're in this tight ball and it doesn't look good. If you look at my photos, you'll see that the fish fish stretch out across the entire tank. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's how I'm doing that. That's wow. that's trade secret there because yeah, I'm taking a break. <laughs> wow. Cool. Um, how do you deal with with algae issues? Because obviously you're setting up often you're setting up a new tank, you'll get like diatoms and other things. You know, the lack of the tank itself being mature to sort of counter that. Yeah. Is that something that again you've scientifically dialed into you know this to this to this to this, or do you just deal with it as it comes along and then adjust as you need to? Yeah, so algae is always a, an issue. Um, 
I would say nine out of 10 of my tanks that I set up, I'm doing them heavily planted to begin with. Mm -hmm. And that, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm doing heavy water changes for the first two weeks. Yep. First week is every day. Second week is every other day. And then I'll start going to once a week if the tank looks good. It's yep. just so important to control that because you, you're doing, doing those out, um, those um, in the beginning is you're reducing the number of algae spores in the tank when you're doing those large water changes. And I don't have fish in the tank typically when I first start out. So I can take it right down to the soil and do a 99% water change. So I'm flushing everything out of the system, putting yeah. all tap water back in and re-fertilizing the whole thing. Yeah, remineralize the water, yeah, refertilizer. Fertilizing between every every water change as well. Every water change, putting the yeah. parameters back to what they were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the EEI typically when I start yeah. up a tank like that. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> that's the, if if you start clean, you're gonna stay clean. Cool. So that's uh, been my experience. Is that rarely like the the IAPLC videos I put together? That wasn't even algae. I don't even know what I ran into on those. So mm. folks that watched that, it was this this like brown, creeping, dusty crud stuff that you could not even see the cell structure under four hundred times magnification. Wow. So I don't know what it was. I I bounced it off a whole bunch of my peers. Nobody knew what it was. I couldn't get it out of the tank. I had to break the tank down and bleach, bleach it, throw yeah. out all my filter media and throw out all the plants and then bleached everything, bleached yeah. the stones, bleached the tank, bleached the equipment. And uh, since I did that, I never had to come back. So it was something came in on wood or plants or, you know, something came in and it was just death. Yeah. It was crazy. It, it, and it wasn't algae. I, I, I've run into just about every type of algae. And I'm a real big fan of if you own an aquarium, get a microscope. Mm -hmm. They're not expensive. Mm -hmm. You can get them 60 bucks and you can create a quick slide and you can put that slide and you can see what type of algae you're dealing with. There's a lot of algaes that are very controllable and some that just suck. And it may not even be worth, you know, fighting the battle because you're going to lose the war. Yeah. yeah. I look at you, Spyro or Clado. They're awful. We've had a, a question from our watchers. Uh, Silver Creek has asked, "Hair algae," and I'm I'm mm -hmm. I'm just going to assume that you're asking how do you combat hair algae? Would be my yeah. thought. Yeah. So how, how do you approach if you get a bunch of hair algae coming through? Yeah. So I used to have issues with hair algae ever since I switched to tissue culture plants. I don't have that problem anymore. Sure. Otherwise, you're always fighting hair algae. It seems like you're combing it out, or you know, doing the uh, hydrogen peroxide or or um, algicide treatments mm -hmm. um, to to treat it. And it's again, it's one of those where you're fighting battles and you're trying to change the conditions. And how did you get into this mess? And sometimes it was nothing you did. Like clado or spiral will grow under the same great water conditions that the plants grow in. So you're uh -huh. like farming it at that point. That's why I say you win the battle, but you'll lose the war. Um, yeah. So to, to combat hair algae, I avoid it in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I stick to tissue culture plants. And since I've been doing tissue culture plants, I've not had hair algae issues. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So hopefully that helps. They're, they are worth it. I, I, I think they're one of the best innovations we've had in the aquarium hobby is tissue culture mm -hmm. plants.
Um, yeah, occasionally I'll... just arrived in New Zealand as well, Cam, isn't it? Yeah, they've only yeah. been here for four months or so, maybe a little bit less time. So tissue culture is very, very new to New Zealand hobby. So it's, it's exciting that we've got them. Um, and everyone's definitely jumping on board with them, which is cool as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's they're they're fantastic. I, I love them. And and like I said, since I started using them, hair algae is in the rearview mirror. And this has been mm -hmm. I've been using them for I don't know six seven years at least. Yeah, cool. I, I've been using them for about probably about the same. Um, and when you use them, the tank just starts off so much better. You know, the, you just get such a better start, albeit it takes time for everything to grow back in, but compared to, like, I, you know, established plants. But it doesn't take that long if you do it right. Two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks, you should have full-grown full plants from tissue culture. Yeah. Otherwise, something's wrong with tissue culture. The, the the biggest issue with tissue culture is if they weren't handled correctly or if they're, yeah. they've exceeded their shelf life. Um, there's only so much plant energy in those cups, mm -hmm. and it's being consumed up to the point you open it and put it in the tank and it has to have enough energy to kick off growth. And if it doesn't, it will collapse and you'll lose the cup. And yeah. I've seen that multiple times. You'll, you'll hear horror stories. The other thing that uh, I've heard issues with tissue culture is with high ammonia levels in the water column, you know, with some of those aqua soils that contain a lot of it up front. So uh, something that's becoming popular right now is something called the dark start, which is, it's been mm -hmm. around forever. Basically, you're, you're you're letting that ammonia leach out of the soil and doing water changes while your lights are off. So you're you're removing the ammonia that they added to grow your plants. Just because it's it's such a high concentration, it you know it's great for the plants. The plants love it, but you can't control you can't control the aquarium. You end up with yep. algae blooms, and mm -hmm. and it also will um, apparently burn tissue culture. Yeah. yeah, and I use the Waza scaper soil and doesn't have the ammonia, so I have not run into that recently. You yeah, know. I've just recently come across the dark start method. Haven't looked into it, but um, on a couple of or one of the pages here, New Zealand based, there's a few people who have just begun talking that and and beginning to play around with that. So that'd be interesting to see how they how they go down here. Yeah, it's that's that method's been around for a long, long time. Um, you know, I think it it's just everything in this hobby has probably been done before and then mm. it just pops up you know, every it seems like every ten years or something, it's like fashion. Yeah. <laughs> bell bell someone, bottoms are back. <laughs> yeah. Someone someone's done a big deep dive and and unearth re earth something that was already already done a while back. Yeah. yeah. I used to see a lot of people um doing wrapping reef tanks. In black bags to, to block out all the light for two weeks. Um, oh, yeah, the black house for algae. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, it's only recently that I've started to see it appearing in like planet tanks. It's quite funny. I think it's a bad idea for planet tanks. I mean, it, it can it can work, but plants you're going to weaken. Light. Yeah, you're going to weaken the plants. So mm -hmm. the plants are weak already because they got the algae on them. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're gonna block them out. They're gonna be even weaker. They're not gonna have the energy to come back. It's it, I don't I don't like it for planet tanks. Mm -hmm. You know, cor corals are a different beast, right? It's a it's a it's an animal. It's not a plant. Yeah, 
So I think exactly. they have a lot more success with the blackout method. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's plenty of success stories with blackout method. And I'm sure there's a plenty more stories of where it failed them. <laughs> yeah. It's just, just like anything that's hobby. Yeah, I don't know. one of those. It worked, it worked for me, so it should work for you type of scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Every tank is different. Every, just like if I tell you how to do something, it, it may not work because I have, I mean, just right from the source, my water is going to be different. Yeah. Unless you live in the same city. <laughs> even then. Yeah, even then. <laughs> yeah. You got old pipes. That's your problem. <laughs> um, what, what's some advice that you give? someone who's decided they want to take the plunge into aquascaping. I've, I've watched all the YouTube videos. I've read all the books. I've listened to all the podcasts. I'm doing it. I've got a blank aquarium. Now what? What, yeah. what's your full, first, full, what you think? Fully invest. Do it. If you, if you can't afford a, a nice setup, um, you know, on a large scale, just get a small one. Mm -hmm. uh, even a small, small one is a great way to start. There, there's no there's no reason like the one behind me here on the this shelf right yep. here is a 45 centimeter that's a great startup tank absolutely and you can get that glass for under 100 us um i don't know what it is over where y'all at but and the lighting has come down there's a lot of lights for these tanks now where you can get those for under 100 so get uh, adequate lighting you know a, a nice tank get the aqua soil Aqua soil will help you out tremendously. Um, mm -hmm. It's designed. It, it's it's an amazing product. And I know it seems pricey, but for a tank this size, you only need three liters of it. Don't worry about hardscape. Get some nice plants. Start with tissue culture. Um, the filter um, is always nice to have a good filter on it. I've got the Waza hang on the back on this one. It's just a moss tank. I run mm -hmm. the Biomasters. Um you know, it's it's nice to buy once and be done. So the problem with that is, you know, if you find it's not your passion or you don't have the time for it, then you're invested. But, you know, start with, you know, the, the proper size tank, get adequate lighting, get the aqua soil in it, make sure you have good flow, um, you know, fertilize, uh, don't overlight. Most beginners overlight. Mm. Um, yeah, lighting doesn't need to be that bright. You can get away with far less lighting than most fixtures have these days. Mm. So light strength is not going to be a problem. Light spectrum has been shown not to matter. Um, so you pick the light color, color spectrum to what looks good to your eye. Mm -hmm. Um, CO2 is wonderful for growing optimal plants. Some plants will, you know, really appreciate it. Some will not have enough energy to grow without it. Um, so make sure you pick your plants accordingly if you're going to have CO2 or not. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to do CO2, I highly recommend not doing DIY CO2 unless no. you're doing it in a room, unless you're doing it in a room that can um, be okay with a disaster. Mm. Yeah, like if you're doing a yeast method or the citric acid, you know, one of these methods where it could pop mm. and spell itself all over your room, smell yeah, it yeah. all up, stinking, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. So, how many aquariums at the moment have you got running CO2? 
one, one. Just the one. This is this is not CO two. No, no, I didn't think that would be. But your competition tank, I'd imagine, will be. Uh, this this one over here will be. Right. Uh, when I set it up, so I collected all the material. My my camera's flipped, so I keep pointing the wrong way. This mm. one will be CO two. It has CO two on it. You can mm -hmm. actually see the the bottles behind the the filter. <laughs> oh yeah, it's behind the leg. It's all aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, so there's CO2 bottle on there. Uh, this one over here has CO2. So that's my one I'm running CO2 on now. So the bottle is behind the wall. So you can actually see I have wires passing through the bottom there. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can see actually the CO2 tubing coming up on the side. Yeah, I got a lot of, I have a lot of tanks. Aqualife has um, given me all these tanks to review and uh, I love them. That's their lights, by the way. Uh, I don't think you can get in there, but, uh, no, but anyone in the U S yeah. Anyone in the U S they're fantastic tanks and they make so many different sizes. These are Aqualife tanks, Aqualife tank. Yeah. Aqualife, we get tank. Aqualife here in the UK. Hmm. And then this is the Waza tank. With the awesome, with the awesome cabinet. With so this cooler, is uh, this cooler, is kind of uh, cool. <laughs> Sorry, funny one. The pullout you're saying? Yeah, for the filter. I heard pillow twice. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> so, um, like here, so I have auto top off on all of my tanks, so I don't have to worry about the uh, water level. And in this tank, it's really important because this level needs to stay here for the mister to work. Yeah. So super, super easy. I mean, the maintenance is basically, you know, pull the pre-filter here, sponge it out. <laughs> yeah, done. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Yeah. Done for this month. Nice. Yeah. I, I quite like those pre-filters on there. I think they're quite a brilliant addition to a canister, to be fair. Um, yeah, they're awesome. I think I want to say recently, but I don't know exactly when. I vaguely remember someone or a podcast I was listening to saying that if you're using aqueous oil and you're not using CO2, you're kind of wasting your time and they kind of need to work together. That's not your thoughts on that? No. That's, CO2, has, CO2 drives photosynthesis. It has nothing to do with the other nutrients. So CO2 is how plants get their carbon. Mm -hmm. So 40 some percent of aquatic plants is made up of carbon. So um, that is how the plant is getting its carbon. So you're fertilizing carbon when you're running CO2. You're, uh, you're not yeah. fertilizing nitrogen. You're not fertilizing iron, calcium, magnesium, phosphate, potassium, all the traces. You're not adding um, that with CO2. That's coming from the aqua soil or yeah, the, the liquid CO2, fertilizers or root tabs that you're putting in. The CO2 makes the plants consume more nutrients. Yes. That, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, I think yes, that's because the, you have I more photosynthesis. Yeah. 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 To get more, to get the, the plants using more of the goodness in the soil, the CO2 mm. does that. It supercharges the plants to get more out of there. So if you're not using CO2, you're not utilizing that nutrients as much as you could be. I think that's it's maybe where you come from. Yeah, it's a triangle, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have one side weak, so if you're not providing enough carbon, 
the plant is not going to grow optimally. It's going to grow yeah. slow. It's not able to get carbon. It might be using enzymatic processes to break down uh, other um, constituents to get um, their carbon ion, uh, carbon atoms, right? Mm. Versus if you inject CO2. And by the way, if you don't inject CO2, you're at three parts per million CO2 in your water if you have good water surface agitation. So it's not like yeah. you don't have CO2. Just no. not, yeah, not as much. You're not enriching the CO2. So you still have CO2 from the water interface, the water-air interface. There's 400 mm -hmm. parts per million of CO2 in the air. Three parts per million will dissolve on its own into the water column. When we inject CO2, we enrich the water with CO2. We're somewhere around 35 parts per million or even you know higher Uh that's a big difference. So your plants mm. are going to be able to photosynthesize that much more because the CO2 is going to be available. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have to provide more of the other nutrients because every time it builds a plant cell, you know, a stem cell, leaf cell, root cell, it needs nitrogen, it needs phosphate, it needs potassium, it needs calcium, it needs all these things. So you have to provide enough of everything. That's why CO2 works so well in the aquatic environment because we're enriching it and we're removing that limitation of carbon. Otherwise mm. they're carbon limited. That's and, that's I why mean, CO2 works. A lot of the plants are not 100% aquatic as well. I mean, a lot of them are part immersed and, and, and only get fully submerged during wet seasons and things. So mm -hmm. these plants are used to... Um, environmental CO2 and yes. when you put them fully underwater they don't get that so that's exactly right yeah uh, that, yeah almost all the plants that we have in the hobby are marginal plants yes mm. you know they like wet they like wet feet yeah but they grow mm -hmm. best when they're not submerged they like emerged and in fact in fact they are always fighting if I if the 120 was on I could show you all my plants are fighting out the top they're all growing out of the top because then they and then they grow the different leaves. They're growing their um, their emerging growth, different yeah. shape, different texture. Um, everything changes, and then also the speed picks up because now they're not limited by thirty five parts per million. Now mm. they have four hundred parts per million CO two. Mm. So yeah, it's it's one of the things where you have to balance it. And that's what estimative index is, is providing all the nutrients that the plants need and limiting nothing. So you're providing a rich CO2 environment. Mm. We, you can go higher in the water if you don't have fish. Yeah. You can mm. take it way up. I mean, your, your water's going to get really, really acidic, but you can take it's it way great. up. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a point of no, you know, of, uh, where the balance tips out and you're screwing up your bacterial colonies and all that stuff. Right. Um, we don't want battery acid in our tanks, but you can yeah. really, you can really crank up that CO2 without the fish, the fish, you know, um, it's not like the CO2 is replacing O2 either. So the no. oxygen levels has to be high as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all balancing act, you know, again, easy to start. You're supposed to finish my line. I was at another question. I think this just looking at the time will probably be the last one that we can get to. All right, make it a good um, So carbon dioxide is provided a massive amounts with a deep dirt substrate. Is that true? Father fish. Yep. 
No way. No way. You would need so much de he's I think they're asking about, you know, in the decomposition uh you into CO2 gas. You would need so much decomposition, it would be insane. It would be absolutely insane. It would be just um it would be a muck in your tank. Mm. Um and I'm not even sure you would get just CO2 um byproducts. You you'd have to start worrying about other byproducts as well. I think that's a dangerous recipe and uh you're going to get far more co2 into the water column from the uh, water air surface by providing you know a nice light ripple agitation um than decomposition in the soil no that's uh i'm just going to say it, that's absurd that's absurd I, I, yeah i i think that's some bad advice uh i all i know is uh, i I don't rely on that for my CO2 and I just don't see any reason to, I mean, it'd be, it'd be uncontrolled. I mean, every, every way you look at it, it seems like a really, really bad idea, right? Can you imagine run a bunch of beginners putting real thick soil beds in to get their CO2s up? Well, That's I mean, if you think of people that do biotopes as well, you know, they purposely put decomposing matter in the bottom, yeah, leaves, yeah. wood, uh, casings and things and it's never been an issue you know if well, that was well, it's the not, case, it's not adding it's, it's yeah it's not adding substantial amounts of co2 i, I bet you it would be immeasurable amounts it, it wouldn't i i can't i can't see how that that would drive photosynthesis the decomposition of the and, and then also the diffusion you have to get out of the the uh deep substrate right and that's like it muck it's just like thick it's I, I don't see it happening. I, I just, every way I look at this, um, you know, I, I have no, I, I'm just, this is my gut. I have no science to, to yeah. think of just, to, yeah. just nothing, as an environmental engineer, an environmental engineer. Yeah. Thanks. As an environmental engineer and 50, almost 50 years of experience. This sounds like hokum. Cool. Okay. Well, we can leave, leave it with that. Um, yeah. We'll end on we, hokum. We, <laughs> yeah. uh, when, when we finish our, um, our fanatic Friday coffee dates, we'd like to leave it in with a school of six, which is six really quick yes-no type answers. Uh, so the first question I'd like to ask you is, are we alone in the universe? No, no? absolutely cool. not. Cool. If you could have a meal with absolutely anybody alive or dead, who would that be? Meal with Alive or dead? Um, <laughs> I would pick someone very, very long ago. I can't think of a name, but very, very long ago, just to see what it would be like back then. Cool. Yep. Compare notes, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Um, heads or tails if you're tossing a coin? <laughs> Heads. Cool. Uh, playing paper, scissors, rocks, what's your first call? paper cool uh do you drink tea or coffee neither okay Ooh. and if it's... you could have a unicorn fish or plant one that you've never never kept never escaped with never photographed or whatever it happens to be just this one that's always eluded you what would that be man i don't have a real one but i would love some kind of type of mini like red tiger lotus plant Something that would send up teeny tiny, like like the um, the um, mosaic plant. Mm -hmm. Oh wow, yeah. 
and that it would send up point. these leaves to the surface and there'd be these geometric patterns. Mm -hmm. How nuts would that be? Yeah. I, I think someone that, needs that to start be, working on that now. That would be yeah. a mosaic nuts. I yeah. can absolutely accept that as a unicorn plant. Yeah. Uh, cool. So where can, where can people find you if they're looking for more information on you uh, or, or some of your scapes or anything like that? Yeah, so um, I am available. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Instagram at Jeff Miyake, M-I-O-T-K-E. Um, website, jeffmiyake.com. And uh, YouTube channel is Jeff Miyake Aquascaper. Cool. I, I would and, strongly suggest that people jump on your YouTube channel and watch that playlist because it is phenomenal. It's It's great. Yeah, cool. I appreciate the shout out. It's awesome. It was fun talking to y'all. I, I can talk tanks all day. Give me a cold beverage and uh, away you go. Well, yeah. yeah. What is your cold beverage of choice then? If you don't drink tea or coffee, <laughs> I drink what either water or beer. Yeah. That's, all I, that's all, work for me. That's all I drink. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. It's greatly appreciated. It's been a, a fantastic. Oh. A fantastic chat. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and there's been some incredible information sharing that's gone on. So it's, it's really, really appreciated. So thank you very much. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us. to be Jeff. here. Less no talking, more escaping. Yeah. Get to it, people. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. So uh, have a good one, team. Happy fish keeping and catch you later. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend, guys. I'm off to bed.